The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter. Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. John is preaching and baptizing people in the Jordan River, a muddy stream that winds its way through the countryside, a group of peoples clustered around him listening to his call to repent and to return to God and to be baptized. Jesus, one of his cousins, is also there listening. And suddenly Jesus steps forward and asks to be baptized. We can imagine the two of them standing there in the river with the water gently swirling around their waists, their robes floating in the lazy current, sunlight across the water. John hesitates. It seems awkward to him for him to be baptized. Jesus presses them to comply and for the sake of righteousness, and John relents. So grasp shoves him, plunges him down to the water and says, I baptize you. And then he pulls him out of the water. And Jesus, gazing up the sky, sees the heavens rip. The heavens are like that stand between us and God, that separates us from the heavenly realm. He separated. Heavens apart face to face with Jesus we are. And Jesus himself, we're told, saw and also the blowing wind, the breath, the light essence of God coming down to him like a dove, lighting upon him, into him, coming onto him, but reminiscent of maybe that Noah on the ark flying over Come the earth carrying a, a sign, a sign of God's judgment and beginning. And as the dove descended into Jesus, there came a sound, a voice out of the heavens. What did it sound like? I wonder. Did it thunder? Was it soft, like the gentle rustling of leaves? Martin Luther, who was not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the 16th century theologian, said probably the earth would shake 
and I would fall on my face in fear. But for all that, the voice comes with nothing but kindness, grace, and mercy, saying, there you have it, one who is baptized. This one is my son in whom I delight, approve, dearly love, and well-pleased. And the most amazing part, of course, is Jesus has not actually done anything yet to be worthy of all of this praise. He's 30 years old, and he hasn't really accomplished anything to speak of. It all takes place before he's tempted by Satan in the wilderness. It's before he heals the paralytic or the blind man or the deaf or the mute. It's before Jesus has preached his first amazing parable. Before he's done anything, God calls him beloved, beloved, with whom I am well pleased. In a sermon that Luther delivered on the baptism of our Lord Sunday in 1534, he asks, so do you want to know who our God is? God does not come with a sword or with a noisy clamor on Sinai. God comes with nothing but the images and the appearance of friendship and calls Jesus beloved. And in baptism, God does the same thing for you and for me. God calls us beloved before we have done anything of merit, before we are obedient or faithful or even kind, before we have left, lifted even a pinky in service. God tears the heavens open, comes down and gets right there in the water with us. As Luther says, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in the water, and he calls it Jesus's bath water. God's own life and being are stirred into the water, making it a holy ointment that takes away sin and death and every sadness. Whoever is in sin, Luther says, stick them in the water and their sin will be extinguished. Whoever is in death, Jesus says, stick them in the baptismal water and their death will be swallowed up. Why? Because Jesus stands with sinners and with us. Years ago, I met a man named Johnny. He had done a lot of things in his life. He was an adventurous young man who had set out from Kansas and gone to the great Northwest seeking adventure and excitement, and he had stirred up a lot of that. He was a roughneck. He loved to drink. He loved to gamble. You could always find him in some back hole-in-the-wall uh, lounge. He liked to chase women, and he loved a good fight. He was just wild, and his family worried, you know, constantly about him and how he was doing and whether he was dead or alive out there, and they were in just dismay at how he was throwing his whole life away and just causing nothing but trouble for himself and everybody else, and so they prayed fervently for him constantly for his protection and that God would save him. He had done, uh, you know, logging and worked with uh, forestry and any place he could get an odd job out there. It was always, you know, heavy uh, physical work. Anyway, he was in a bar one night and he met a commercial fisherman who fished off the shores of the um, Pacific. And uh, he, you know, the guy talked to him, sure, about all the excitement of the fishing industry and they hit it off and he decided he was going to sign on as part of the crew. They were fishing for salmon off the coast of Oregon. 
which is a place where the waters are frigid and it's prone to, to vicious, mind-boggling storms. So anyway, Johnny's on the crew and everything's going really well for a few years. He's having a great time out on the water. He loves being on the water, loves the boat, loves the fishing. He's learning all about the patterns of the fish migrations and the right bait and the right timing and the depths you need to uh, cast your lines out and all these different things. And they're hauling in salmon right and left and the man's teaching him everything he knows. And Johnny's planning on getting his own boat and his own crew at some point. Things are looking up for him, but he's still drinking all the time, carousing all the time. He's still, when he's not getting a good catch, is finding a good fight. And the years go by, and then one winter, they're out on the boat. It's Johnny, it's the captain, the captain's six-year-old son, and another crew member. It's winter time, and uh, the captain and the six-year-old are in the pilot house, and a storm blows up, and they have these 40-foot waves. You know, we can't even imagine this, but the coast of Oregon is, is a terrifying place in a storm. So these 40-foot waves, and they're literally rolling their boat over in the waves and the boat's taking on water and it's terrifying and everybody knows they're going to die. And finally, and all this rolling and being cast beneath the waves and popping up, it takes on enough water that the boat begins to sink. And those on the deck, Johnny and the other guy are washed off the deck and into the sea. And from the sea, he's watching the boat sink and the captain and the six-year-old are in the pilot house and they die. He has only his survival suit on to protect him. You know, those orange coverall flotation devices. And he must have blacked out because there's a large chunk of time where he has no memory at all. But as he would tell me later, he felt God's presence there in the deep. And whatever had been driving him to self-destruction was gone and it was like the heavens were torn asunder and he was face to face with God in the storm and in the raging sea. And he passed out and was not aware when the Coast Guard rescue team came and dove into the sea and pulled him out. He had suffered a heart attack and a massive stroke and he was unconscious for months, months. When he finally awakened in the hospital, he was unable to speak, unable to feed himself, unable to sit up or walk, and he was joyful, absolutely joyful. And day and night, to anybody who would listen, nurses, doctors, orderlies, anybody who would listen, he, was, he would praise God and talk about how God was everything and about the love of God and how he would serve God the rest of his life if God would let him. When I met Johnny, it was years later, and he had spent a good decade just trying to battle back his health, and he was living in a nursing home, and he could walk with a shuffle, he could talk nonstop, he could feed himself. He was laughing, he was loving, he was blessing everybody around him. All of a sudden, the only thing in Johnny's life was God and God's love and sharing that love with everyone who came in contact with him. He would cry with wonder at God's grace, overcome by God's unconditional love, that God would save him and lead him into such a beautiful and blessed life. 
He was filled with gratitude and light and warmth, and the love just radiated off of him. We, he never lacked for visitors. Everybody wanted to stop by and just be there with him and bask in his presence because to sit with him was to sit in the presence of God. It's wonderful that we say we have a God who sees us. That's like a God who could helicopter over the waters and look down and say, yeah, you're in trouble. What gives me comfort is the knowledge that we have a God who dives into the waters with us and wrestles us from the grip of death. As John Fairless puts it, here is one who can touch and grasp and lift me from my level of crisis and challenge because he has immersed himself in this life. Jesus leads us all into the river into the great river of grace. And he stands there in the water with us when we are broken. And Jesus stands in the water with us when we are hurting. And Jesus stands with us in the water when we are afraid. And when he does, the heavens are open for us and we can hear God's friendly voice say, you are my child, the treasure of my heart, my beloved. You belong to me. Trust in me and do not be afraid. Amen.